Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Those of you that are leading a small group for the first time and jumping in and went to a small group last semester and said, hey, I want to do this, I want you guys to know it brings so much joy to my heart to see you walk that path and, and begin to not only lead yourself, but then help others learn to lead themselves and lead others. So, so grateful for you guys. Today is a huge day, and not just because the LSU Tigers are playing tonight. Can I get an amen? I mean, do we have any Tiger fans? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I'm just, listen, I've been praying and fasting. I've just been... We need to win this tonight, um, but that's not why today is huge. Today is huge because we are starting our Modern Family series, and, and I love this series because all of us at some point or another have to figure out how to do this thing called life, and then you get married and you grow up, and then you got to do this thing called family, and, and maybe you're different than me, but doing this thing called life with this thing called family can oftentimes be very difficult. And I thought I knew, like, I, I thought I was prepared, you know what I mean? Just like we all do. You get out of high school and you go, how many of you remember being in high school? I'm ready. I just want to be on my own. Just let, if they would let me be on my own, I could do everything I ever wanted to do. And then you're on your own and you realize you have no money to do anything that you want to do. And then you go, okay, well, if I could just get married, once I get married and I have a family, then everything will be fine. If I can just find that one person that fulfills me. And then you get married and you realize that one person took all the money you had that you maybe made from college. And then you go, listen, we'll just have a child and then we'll be the perfect family. And then that will be, and, and my children will be obedient. And we'll just, I'll never fight with my wife. And we'll go to sleep every night holding each other in, in our arms. And, just, and then you have children and that child's stuck between y'all. And you're trying to push them out of the bed and they're trying to push you out of the bed. And we've all had to learn how to do this thing called life. And I believe today we face a different set of circumstances than maybe generations before us. And so we are doing this series called Modern Family. I want to talk to you today about something that takes place, an issue in all of our lives. It's an issue that creeps in on some of our doormats. And for some of us, maybe it's hidden better behind the folds of our schedules. And, and maybe some of us, it starts in our car. And maybe it's in your marriage. Or maybe it's at your job. Or maybe you go, Christian, be more positive. How do you know that we have this issue? I am positive you all have this issue, okay? And, and this is an issue that each of us will face in every area. But I face this, this issue in areas of my life. So I am preaching to myself for this message as well. But I believe that God wants to give us some clarity in it. Will you bow your heads, we'll pray, and we'll jump into it. Dear God, thank you so much for every single person here. Thank you, God, for the gift of order. Thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you for the gift of your peace. I pray that today you help us learn a little bit. I pray that we get a little closer to you and a little closer to people. I pray that when we leave here, God, we're a step closer to being more like you, being more loving, more gracious, and more at peace than we've ever been, God. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. <clears throat> the title of today's message is Modern Chaos. Chaos exists in all of our lives. Chaos exists in some form or fashion in each and every one of our lives. And if there's one of you here that says, I have no chaos in my life, then you please get up here and teach me how to have no chaos in my lives. I would love that. Our theme verse for this series is Joshua 24, 15. But if you don't want to worship the Lord, then choose right now. Will you worship the same idols your ancestors did? Or since you're living on land that once belonged to the Amorites, maybe you'll worship their gods. I won't. My family and I are going to worship and obey the Lord. 
the way that we learn how to do modern family, the way that we learn how to do life, the way that all of our things come in order start first with us going, God, I'm going to base everything on you. I'm going to make a decision that me and my family will follow you, that we'll honor you, and that we will do this thing called life in a way that is pleasing to you. And it begins with order. It begins with order. Luke 21, 34. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Listen, I am one of five boys, okay? I just want to give you some background so you can know how orderly that I am. I am one of five boys. My dad traveled 265 days a year until I was 14 years old. Okay, my mother is a saint. Like she, she walks around with a floating halo on her head. Okay, until when she curses us out, it goes away, but then it comes back after. So, I'll never forget being probably seven years old, and my mom, my dad had been gone maybe two weeks. Don't ever tell her I told you all this story. She'll be so embarrassed. Um, and he had been gone for about a two-week stretch, and he was preaching everywhere. And five boys. Okay, I'm like I'm I'm, I'm number two. So, and I was. Um, I wouldn't say I was bad. I had a lot of energy. You, you have children that they're not bad. You just got a lot of energy in there. And so it was always something. I was on the roof. I was in the toothpaste. I was coloring on the walls. I was, you know, I was just like, I, I had this energy I had to get out. And I'll never forget one time my mom, I did something. And she looked at me and she said, what the hell are you doing? And, and I'd never heard anyone say hell, like, I, like outside of church. And I remember my mouth dropped and I was like, you just cursed me out. I am a child. And you... Now that I have three children, oftentimes I call her and I go, I just want to thank you for not saying far worse words to me in that moment. That I now understand the frustration that you were encountering in the midst of chaos. I am one of five boys and our life was chaos. Any of you that have children know, life every time you have a child, the chaos meter gets turned up a little more. First, it's one child, and you go, hey, don't touch that. And then it's two children, and you go, hey, you don't touch this, you don't touch that, and neither of y'all touch each other. And then you have three children, and then you're going, you don't touch anything, you don't touch anything, y'all both don't touch her, okay, and you can't do anything, so just stay there. And there is chaos that begins to happen. You forget their names. Again, one of five. My dad would go to yell at me, and he would call every other name but my name. Jacob, West Haddon, who are you? I'm like, I don't know, you had me. You tell me who I am. Like, what do you want to call me? I don't want to call me anything. <laughs> And chaos begins to get turned up in our lives. Sometimes, right when we get it figured out at home, then it starts at work. And you come in and the, the paperwork gets stacked higher and higher. And I don't know if you guys are like me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm the only guy that does this. I have my own order. You know what I mean? Women, you know what we mean, guys, when we say our own order. I come home in the afternoon, I'll, I'll get ready for bed at night, I'll take off my clothes, I'll put them where I want to wear them the next day, or maybe two days later, which is normally like hidden under other clothes, like by the bed so that I know where they're at. And then I'll come in the next night and I'll go, hey, where are my, uh, my, my pajama pants? She'll go, well, I, what do you mean? I'm like, well, where are they? I left them hidden under the couch right here, folded. And she's like, well, I thought they were dirty. They were on the floor. I'm like, they weren't dirty. They were hidden so that no one took them, okay? And then you found them, and then you took them. And she's like, well, why would you put them there? And I'm like, so that you would not take them because I wanted to rewear them. How many of you, that's your order? Come on, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know if you grew up in a big family and you wanted order in your life, you had to hide order. So, like, we didn't, I didn't just fold my clothes and set them. I hid stuff in drawers and on tops of fridges and, like, because I knew where it was, and that's all that mattered. And sometimes our life can be like that where everything has a place, but nothing has an order. We know where the place is in our mind. 
But God help anyone else who tries to come in and figure out the order in our life because there's no order to it. There's just a place for everything. And if we cannot figure out the chaos in our lives first, we can never get our family to a place of peace. And all things that God does, God is a God of order. God has a plan and he has a structure and he has a system. And he is a God of peace and not chaos. And we in this modern age have learned to live in a lot of chaos. And it's why you see the, the, the prescriptions for Xanax have gone up however many fold. And I mean, come on, you know, we all have our ways. You get home, you're like, God, when that wine cork pops, that means peace to me. That means that sound is a sound of I just feel instant peace set into my bones. And come on, if you're a good Cajun, you get home and you go, if I could just crack me a cold Bud Light, then everything will slow down. I'll be able to figure it out and watch the Tigers win and then life will be back in order. Life is in order when the Tigers win. You know what I mean? There's... We've all got our systems and our methods and our means to get peace. But when we do life God's way, the peace comes from God. He is the source of peace. And it happens when we're able to order our life. When we live in chaos, four things happen. When life becomes chaotic, number one, the first blank right there, we become scattered. We become scattered. We do a lot of things, but we don't do many things very well. Do you ever feel like that, where you do a lot of things and... Again, you know, I know y'all don't understand. This is, this is my issue. So y'all just bear with me, okay? Like, I come home after working all day. This is my get up in the morning, pray, okay? Because the only time, I used to wonder why my dad got up and prayed at like 530 in the morning. It's because he had five children. It was the only time he could. Because at 630, we woke up wanting Cheerios and cartoons, and the day was over. Like, no, no work was getting done. So I get up early, and you know, you, you do your stuff, you have your coffee, and you pray, and you get work, and then you go to work, and work is chaos, and then you come home, and you walk in the door, and children are jumping on you, and parents, you know the routine, okay, who's getting spanked, who's getting candy, who's, what, what do I need to do to get five minutes of peace, okay, y'all watch TV, don't watch that TV, watch something that's good, okay, you finally get them settled, you walk in the room, you sit down, and your wife goes, how was your day, and you're like, it was good, tell me about it. And guys, you know that feeling where you have a lot of stuff you could say, but probably nothing you should say, you know. And she just goes, what are you thinking? And in your mind, you're thinking, you don't even want to know what I'm thinking. If I tell you what I'm thinking, you might leave me. I don't know. And then you just repeat yourself. It was good. Work was good. Come on, women. Maybe none of your husbands. Did. Maybe, again, this is, I get it. It's my, it's my issue. And then you get the kids ready for bed right about the time that you get dinner ready and food ready and the kids get ready and then you got to get them in bed and then get out of bed and you got to get them in bed and now spank, everybody spank, brush your teeth, you got to pee, okay, don't pee on them, okay, fine. And then finally around 9.30 at night, the house goes quiet and you look over at your wife and you go, hey, what's up, girl? Your mama let you date? And she goes... I have toothpaste rubbed on my stomach from the children. Don't even look at me. And you're like, okay, well, all right, there's that. Um, and you get in bed and close your eyes. And if you're like me because you're a pastor, you roll over and go, let me read the verse of the day on the Bible app so that I can be somewhat spiritual. And you, God said, live a life of peace. And okay, that's the devil. All right, I'm going to just go to bed. And, and you fall asleep to do it all over again. And you find yourself doing a lot of things, but not doing many things well. It's why when we structured the whole church, we do four things at Valley Rise Church. We say we only do four things at Valley Rise Church. That's it. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And we do four things that coordinate with those. We don't do everything. 
I tell people when they go, do you have this ministry? Do you have this ministry? Do you? Listen, we are not a golden corral. We are a Ruth's Chris. We do four things really good. And my whole life, I try and structure that way. I can't be everything, but I can be a few things really good. And we're going to figure out how to decide what those few things are. When life becomes chaotic, number two, we become reactive. We become reactive. The urgent takes place of the importance. The urgent takes place of the important. What does that mean? That means whatever is needed right now is the most important thing instead of actually what is the most important thing. And so how it plays out, oftentimes my wife will come in and she'll go, hey, we haven't had a date night, you know, in like, like a month. And like, we need to connect. And, and, and that is the most important thing. Me connecting with her and us being on the same page is the most important thing next to my relationship with God. However, I have a child who's seeing how high they can jump off of my groin area and land back on it while she's saying this. I'm also knowing I've got to meet with this guy who just told me he wants to hurt himself and he's got a family. I also know that if I don't call this person, that this, this and, and I'm doing all this in my mind, and the urgent takes place of the importance. And so we do what a lot of us do, baby. Okay, let's, next week. Okay, next week. We'll do a promise. Okay, I promise we're going to do that next week. And oftentimes we watch it slip out of our hands and slip out of our hands and slip out of our hands and thank God for patient wives who go, hey, you said next week for six months now. Can it be this next week? Because the urgent takes place of the important when we're reactive. Instead of being proactive, we become reactive. Number three, we become frantic. We become frantic. We become emotionally out of control. We get fast, we get nervous, we get anxious, we get... Do you ever find yourself worked up? It's just, you know, you don't even know why you're worked up. It's like sometimes my wife comes in at night and after when all the kids are calm and when everything's good and when, and, and she's like, why do you seem so amped up? And I'm just like, what do you mean? I don't know. What do you mean? I'm just going to try to get stuff done. She's like, what stuff are you doing? I'm like, I'm, whew, um, that's, I don't even know. So there's. Yeah, probably she's like, you need to like go pray or meditate or like go for a jog or something. Like you need to calm down. But what happens is we live life at such a fast pace and we're so used to running here and running there and running to get this done and reacting to this and reacting to this and reacting that when it actually does stop, our body has been running on this adrenaline so long we don't even know how to bring peace to ourselves. And, and for, for I, let me tell you, you want to see how nervous you actually are? Make a pact with yourself. You, I know what you're going to say, because I'm saying it. As I'm saying it to you in my mind, I'm going, that's stupid. I can't do that. Don't use your phone for a day. Put your phone somewhere else for a day and don't use it. And see how nervous you are. You set this phone down. My wife, we used to have a rule, because I used to, it was this, this sacred object used to be on me 24-7. And if you, if you live that way, you know. You know, and it's and, and somebody's calling me, somebody's texting me, I gotta deal with this, baby. I gotta deal with what if and I'd set it down and it'd buzz and she'd go, Don't I swear if you look at that phone. I'm like, okay, what is that over there? Are the kids okay? Okay, you know. And and one day she said, When you come home, I'm gonna take your phone, we're gonna put it on the thing in this box, and you're not using it until like nine at night. You wanna talk about a panic attack? Put your phone in there, and my phone's buzzing, and I'm going like, oh God, oh God, oh God, what's Somebody's trashing the tigers in my group text, and somebody's trying to hurt themselves, and somebody wants to give us money, and I can't even tell them yes to giving us money because I don't have my phone. And somebody... 
All of these things that happened and my mind is running and mind is running and mind is running. And it took like two weeks before finally when I came in, I put it there. And all of a sudden I realized the amount of stress I was living with and adrenaline from just waiting on the next thing. Instead of just being at peace and going, God, I trust you. What did we do before we had cell phones? Think about that. Isn't it funny how there's like way more emergencies now somehow than there was when we didn't have cell phones? Like people had to decide, is it important enough to call their house phone or drive over to their house or drive around town and try and find them to tell them something? Nah, it's not that important. It can wait till tomorrow. Now, all of a sudden, though, the number of emergencies go. We become frantic. And number three, we become stressed. We become stressed. And our body has some ways to tell us when we're stressed. Our body has some ways to tell us. Our mind has some ways to tell us when we're stressed. Our blood pressure starts to go up. We start to get anxious. We get nervous. We get frustrated easily. You ever find yourself getting frustrated easily and don't know why? That, that maybe it's everything that bothers you. You walk in the door and they always leave this sock right here. I swear to God, if somebody moves. Why is the, the air is on 70? Who puts the air on 70 during the day? Who's paying this? I'm paying this. No one touch the air, okay? Men, that is a rule. I'll just be honest. That's not even a, like you, all women should know. We control the thermostat, okay? Everybody needs to know. The, the control and the, the TV control and the thermostat. Just give us those two things, please. And you get, ang- you get upset with everything and anything. And sometimes my wife, who is very wise and is great at being in order and peace, will look at me and go, why are you so frustrated? What did we do to you? You just got home. You need to chill out. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm going to go. I need to go in the back and just hit some golf balls. Hit some golf balls. And we begin to find ways to cope with the stress that is happening inside of us. I would encourage you. Learn how to figure out when you're stressed. Learn how to figure out if you're uptight. Learn how to figure out if you're living without peace. Let me tell you how it is for me. I know. I have a, I have a gauge internally of when I'm not at peace, when my mind is running. And here's what it is. I play golf with our small group once a week. When I am about, this is, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. When I am about to hit the golf ball, when I come back, and every person who's a golfer here knows what I'm talking about, there is a moment when you're here before you hit the ball that either my mind is quiet or there is a thousand things that go through my mind. And before I hit that ball, I have thought through like a week's worth of stuff in about half a second. And I always, every time I finish, I get frustrated. I go, God, I gotta get, I gotta get things in order because if not, I can't keep my mind at peace. My car becomes chaos. You wanna know if someone's life is in order, look at their car. Because my car will become chaos. And you know, the fast food receipts and gum wrappers and papers from the doctor from like six months ago and old Starbucks cups and Red Bull shoved up under there. And there's always some French fries and a kid's toy. I don't know where those come from. When my life is chaos and nervous and stressed, my car reflects it, just like every other area of our lives. Exodus 33, 13 and 16, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Job 9.25. How many of you can relate to this? My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without my seeing any joy. Proverbs 19.2. A person in a hurry makes mistakes. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that. The day starts, the day ends, the day starts, the day ends. And you end up going, where is it? Sunday already? And I know that like church for y'all happens once a week. I, go, I will lay in bed tonight already thinking about what I'm going to be preaching about next week. 
And then I have a countdown in my mind. Okay, six days. I got six days. I got to get this message. You know, I got five days, five days. And all of a sudden, somehow that six goes to one like that. And I'm like, it's tomorrow? I got to preach this tomorrow? How did that happen? Unless we learn how to rest. What is rest? Rest is not. Let me help you figure out what. Rest is not you just laying on the couch all day. And, and all the women were like, thank God, you heard him. He said, no laying in the recliner all day. I finally got my first recliner this year. We moved it up here, and I said, I'm getting a recliner. And my wife's like, recliners are ugly. I'm like, I'm getting a recliner because I'm watching football on Sunday afternoons in my recliner. Like, I don't know, it just seems like a rite of passage thing, you know what I mean, for guys. And so I get a recliner, and I love that recliner so much. I can lay in that recliner for three days, I promise you. Like, I had my shoulder surgery a couple of months ago, and she's like, like uh, the first week, you got to sleep upright. So, so the second week, she's like, they said you could get in bed. You know, you sure you want to sleep in the recliner? I'm like, oh, I don't know if it's just right yet. I feel like I need to stay in here a couple more days, you know, fall asleep to ESPN, just make sure everything's right in the world. And rest is not that, because you can lay down and not be at rest. You can sleep and not be at rest. You can relax and not be at rest. Rest is whatever thing that for you brings peace to you. I remember a wise man telling me one time, if you work with your mind, play with your hands. If you work with your hands, play with your mind. What brings rest to me oftentimes is building stuff. I like doing projects. I like being in the garage fixing stuff. I like taking things apart and putting things back together. And my wife goes, how can you do that all day? Because for me, it's rest because I work with my mind all the time. It's rest for me to do something with my hands. I enjoy doing physically active things because for me, it takes no mental effort. It's rest for my mind and I enjoy it. What is it that you enjoy? What is it that brings rest to you? Maybe it's fishing with your buddies or maybe if you're like me from South Louisiana, I'm a hunter. Hunting season is coming, and I have a countdown in my mind if I can just make it out to the blind in hunting season. All time stops for about five months. And I get out there, and the sun comes up, and I just sit out there in total quiet. And I'm just like, this, this is rest for me, is being in the hunting blind, working with something with my hands. What is it that brings rest to you? If we don't learn how to rest, our days will continue to fly by. Matthew 11, 28, 29, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest and you will find rest for your souls. I love that, that one version of this says, Jesus says, take on my yoke for my yoke is light. My yoke is easy. And I remember reading that as a kid and, and going, well, okay, Jesus, like, why don't you just take the yoke all together? Like, why do you got to give me your yoke and we exchange? Like, just take the yoke and then I just won't have anything on my shoulders. And for those of you who don't know what a yoke is, it's an oxen thing that they, would, they built this wooden contraption for oxen and they would put their heads in it and it was to keep them level at the same place. So one couldn't go too far, one couldn't go too slow. It would keep them walking side by side. And there was two kinds of yokes that they would have. If you were poor, you would buy just a wooden yoke. It was just a plain wooden yoke. You know, nothing special about this wooden yoke. Piece of board, two holes, and they would go in it. It was rough on the oxen, cut their lifespan down, was hard for them to pull. Then they had a custom fit yoke. And the word when Jesus used this yoke there is a custom fit yoke. And it was made, they would measure the animals, and they would figure out what was comfortable for them. And they and then they would put it on them so that it wasn't rubbing them, it wasn't cutting them, it wasn't bruising them. It was easy for them to do their work because it was custom fit to them. And what Jesus says is, if you will come to me, I will give you custom fit rest. I will give you rest that while it may look strenuous to other people what you're doing, I will custom fit this rest to you. 
So my wife oftentimes will go, God, you're running 100 miles an hour. How do you make it look easy? Because I've learned what is custom fit rest to me. I've learned when I'm in order with Jesus what is custom to my soul and what brings rest to it. And while it may look chaos to everyone else or why I may seem like I'm running 100 miles an hour, I know when it's rest to me and when I am out of order. Jesus wants to give you a custom fit rest for you. So how do we fix this? How do we fix our modern chaos? Psalms 90, 12 tells us, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. I wanted to do this example and forgive me, we'll have to do it next time I preach this message. But I want you to imagine a ruler from zero to 100 and, and pick out how long you would like to live, okay? Get that number in your mind, whatever it is. We all have that number in our mind. I'll tell you what that number is for me. As soon as I can't feed myself, wipe myself, or walk around, someone kill me, okay? If you're in this room and you see someone pushing me around one day and I look like a vegetable, do me a favor and hit me with your car, okay? I don't want nobody wiping me. I don't want nobody feeding me. I don't want, like, that's, just take me out. So whatever that number is, let's say 75, let's say 80, let's say whatever that number is for you, okay? And then subtract how old you are right now. Okay, so I'm 30, I'll be 32 in, in a month. 32 and that's 80, I've got, I got 50 years. Okay, I got a 50, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm in good shape, I got 50 years. I have already lived a large chunk of my life. 50 years I have left. And God says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few that they are. Help us to spend them as we should. I don't know about you, I remember being a sophomore in high school, I'll never forget this, and my teacher, my history teacher telling me, you are going to blink and you're going to be in college. You're going to blink again, you're going to be married. You're going to blink again, you're going to be 40. And I remember going like, I wish that would happen right now. I literally sat in class and said, God, if I could please just let me get out of this class. Like, I'd be married. And then what happens is we all know you blink. And now I have a kid and I'm looking at him going, you have, you're going to, you, it, it happens so fast. And God goes, if you can do this thing the right way, you can take advantage of this little time that you have here. You can live your life in such a way that it impacts the world far greater than you could ever imagine. But we've got to learn to do it in order. How do we do it? Number one in fixing our modern chaos, you've got to identify your unique values. Identify your unique values. Jeremiah 6 tells us this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Rest. What are we trying to do? We're trying to find a rest for our souls. He goes, if you will look, if you will stand at the crossroads, if you're a family in here, I encourage you to do this. Husbands, wives, kids, if they're old enough to do it, sit around the table and ask yourselves, what things are unique to us? What, are the, what is the important things to us? What are our unique traits? What makes us us? I can tell you what makes us us. First, we do church. As a family, we do church. That our life revolves around this thing that happens on Sundays. We do church as a family. And number two, we do relationships really well. We're with people all the time. I am one of those people, and there's two types of people. Either when you're with people, it fills you up, or when you're with people, it drains you. How many of you, when you get with people 24-7, it fills you up? You leave there, and you're like, "This, I feel, I feel like I, I just had the greatest restaurant. How many of you, when you're with people, it drains you? You're like, get everyone out of my house. I don't want nobody here. I don't well, the great thing about it is you always marry the opposite. And so we spend time with people, and Alex looks at me and goes, if you invite one more person to this house, I'm going to burn this house to the ground. And I'm like, 
can I go to their house? Like, <laughs> because that's what fills me up. It's my unique values. It's our unique traits. Sit together and ask, what is our unique traits? What things as a family identify us? What is important to us? So that that way we can weed out as we go through life the things that we say yes and say no to. It's why we have growth track that happens. Growth track happens after all this, and it's our version of membership classes. But the whole purpose of growth track is to help you identify the unique giftings and values that God has given you. The things that are important to you. The areas that you see that no one else sees. Because once we can identify those, we can walk purposefully. Number two, identify your single most important objective. Identify your single most important objective. Proverbs 17, 24, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. Philippians 3, 13, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Paul says this one thing I do. He goes, I, don't, I haven't done all of it. I can't figure out all of it, but I can, do, I can tell you one thing that I do. You've got to identify what is your single most important objective. Because if you can identify what that is, then all of the arrows you shoot are in the same direction. If you can't identify, my wife used to make fun of me. I get it. Because I had this list, okay, probably up until five years ago, stuff that I wanted to do. And every time I'd say I want to do something else, she'd pull out her list. I'd see her laughing, and she'd pull out her list. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I've been making a list. We've been together since she was 16. I've been making a list since I was 16 of all those things you said you're going to do one day. And I'm like, what's on that list? So she starts reading it. She's like... You're going to have to ask her because she has the list. He went, I want to be a CIA agent. I want to be a Navy SEAL. I want to work for the Border Patrol. I want to move to Nashville and start a band with my brothers. I want to work at Subway if all else fails. I want to, like, I want to be a circus roadie. One of them was a circus, which I still don't think would be a bad gig. But <laughs> she goes down this list, and she would tell me, you want to do so many things. Would you just focus on one thing? And it took me working all of the other things out and God going, you're not made to be a circus roadie, okay? You can't, you're not going to win the games all the time. You know, I'm, like, I'm like an obsession with carnivals, okay? We'll talk about that later. But I don't know about you. I get, like, I get so mad when I go to a carnival. I can't win games. And, God, whatever. We'll, we'll deal with that in another message. Um, I lost track. I need a carnival quick. Um, but I, I want to do one thing really well. And when I realized God called me to be a pastor, God called me to do this. Then I was able to take all of the energy from the subway shop dreams and the carnival dreams and my Navy SEAL aspirations and, and focus them and go, okay, I can put all of my shots in the same direction. What is your single most important objective? What is mine? Mine as a pastor is, is that God's called me to reach as many people for him that I possibly can, to show them that God loves them, that he's not mad at them. He gave me a unique bend because he has a message that he put in my heart. It is the single most important objective that I have. I want to show people how much God loves them. Number three, and this is the part where most of us mess up. This is the part where the majority of us, the wheels come off the wagon in trying to do this process. It's the part that when you look back, because right now you're going to leave here, hopefully, and go, God, that was good. I'm going to put some order in areas of my life. And you're going to begin to do things, and you're going to go home, and you're going to, okay, you know what? Number one, we're starting off folding the laundry. Come on, husband. He said fold the laundry. You heard an order, and it starts with laundry. I'm sorry, husbands. If they tell you that, say no. He said that was a lie from the devil. Okay. 
We've all got our things. How many of you hate folding laundry? How many of you fold laundry? How many of you it's doing the dishes? I will paint the entire house and go to war before I do the dishes. I hate doing the dishes. I'm telling you, she'll look at me, she'll be like, I cooked all night. I'm like, I will literally watch the children all day tomorrow, okay? And you can go to the spa. Do not make me do the dishes. I can't do the dishes. I don't know why, I just hate it. But this is where the wheels fall off. Check your progress regularly. Check your progress regularly. Because what will happen is you will start to do this thing. And life will get chaotic again. And in a month, you will forget that you had put an order in plan. That you had started this whole thing to order your life and to begin to figure it out and to eliminate chaos. And it will be until next year when I preach this series again that you'll go, God, we should really do that again. Remember when we did that last September? That was good. We need to try that again for another two weeks. We've got to check our progress regularly. Let me give you one better than that. Husbands and wives, you need to be checking in with each other regularly. Me and my wife have times that we'll sit down in the month and she'll go, hey, okay, look at me. How are you doing? How are you doing? And, and, and I know we all say we're each other's best friends. This is my best friend. This is my best friend. We're best friends. We're best friends. Besties. Best friends. We don't tell you everything. Okay? Ain't a man in here that tells you everything. I promise. Please call me a liar, man. The Lord is watching. Ain't no man in here that's like, hey, okay, let me tell you everything. But we need to be checked in with like you need to be checked in with. And I need Alex to look at me and go, hey, how are you? How are you doing? And I don't give her the whole list, but sometimes I go, I'm stressed. It's been a rough month. I'm stressed. Okay, well, hey, what can we do to help that? What can we, how can we make this more orderly? How are you doing? I want to drown all three children in the bathtub tonight. Okay. <laughs> all right, so you're not doing well is what you're telling me. Um, we will. I, and, and I know, I saw some of you not laugh. You're the ones that don't have children. I get it. I used to think it was morbid too until I had kids, and then I was like, I will never fault anyone again. And every time I see a story on the a story on the news with like a mom of twelve drives her minivan into the ocean, I'd be like, I can't. Who could do that? You know what I mean? Alex left me with three children one time for like a week. I was like, everyone in the car, we're going to Galveston. Everybody in the car, <laughs> like, <laughs> whoo, it's a different level when you <laughs> when the kids start screaming and everybody's screaming, and you're just like, I don't even know what to do. I, I can't figure it out. She needs me to check in with her like I need her to check in with me. We've got to keep up with our progress regularly. God put you with a helpmate, listen to me, because you need help. Because we need help. I need help. I need her to sit across from me and go, how are you doing? And ask me three times, okay, no, seriously, how are you doing? Okay, now drink a beer. Now really tell me how you're doing. I need her to help me like she needs me to help her. And if we will help each other, that yoke that I talked about will keep us even. And when she's in order, I'll be in order. And when I'm in order, she'll be in order. And when one of us falls behind, we'll be able to check and go, hey, are you doing okay? Can we get more in order? Is, this, or is it working out? What do we need to change? Do we need to slow down? Do we need to speed up? Do we need to, what do we need to do to get our lives in order? We've got to check our progress regularly. Proverbs 21.5, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry put you further behind. And we've all been there. When we feel like the plans that we have, or maybe we don't have plans, but just a goal and a purpose, we start running after it like crazy, and all of a sudden we forget. We see the end goal, but we forget the steps that we need to take. And we begin to scurry. 
Proverbs 13, 17, reliable communication permits progress. Women, you're welcome. You can quote that to your husband every day. Reliable communication permits progress. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We've got to be honest with our spouses. We've got to be honest with our work team. There's times where I get around the table with our team and I go, listen, we gotta, we're, 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 we're reacting. We're doing stuff last minute. We've got to get better at the details. We've got to do how much more in our own lives with our family, with our spouses, with our teams to be able to sit down and go, hey, let's get, ahead. Let's get a week ahead. Can you imagine if you were a week ahead in your scheduling? Can you imagine if you were a month ahead in your scheduling? Like, I can't even think of that. That would be amazing if we can communicate and if we can learn to do it reliably, our progress will go far beyond us. The key to it all is simple. Ephesians 5, be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. The secret to living a life of intentionality and purpose. So your last blank as I close, the secret to living a life of intentionality and purpose is to focus on the eternal. To focus on the eternal. I was reminded of a quote as I was writing this, of a man that said, every day I walk by eternal beings. Every day I touch eternity. Inside of the people that we pass on the streets and the the Uber driver that takes us to the airport and the person that works for us, we aren't just touching people, you're touching eternity. You're touching eternal beings that we're doing life with. And if we can't figure out how to make the most out of this thing called life, we will react and 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 we'll be 70 years old going, did I ever really live? Was I ever really intentional? Did I ever really do what God called me to do? Or did I just live my life simply reacting to one thing after the next thing, after the next thing, after the next thing, and now I'm here. I believe God has called us to live a life of order in a world of chaos. While the world around you can be chaos and can spin fast and life can happen really quickly, it doesn't mean that we have to live lives that are out of order. It means all the more that we have the opportunity to live a life in order. Because a life in order and a life of peace is something that the world recognizes as foreign. If we can learn that peace inside... The world will take note. If we can learn in these quiet moments to still our soul, it's weird. It's awkward, isn't it? When there's silence. Why is that awkward? Why is it awkward when, when, when there's that quiet? Because maybe our souls are not at rest. And as your pastor This is one of my favorite messages. Let me tell you why. Because when the Bible talks about a shepherd, when the Bible talks about a pastor, the Bible talks about what God makes that to look like. It talks about leading sheep beside still waters, leading them to good pastures. And listen, I can't take you to the good water and the still water if I can't myself figure out how to have peace. And husbands, fathers, moms, wives, You can't bring your family into order unless you can learn how to find that peace. Unless you can learn how to still your soul. Unless you are comfortable in the silence and putting order to the world around you. 
God put you in this world at this time, in this state, in this family, in your job, in this church for a reason, for a purpose, for a plan. And if you can bring order to your life, if you can find out what is important to you, if you can identify what God has called you to and set the eternal as the most important thing there is, you can begin to live a life of purpose. You can be given to live a life that changes the world around you and not change with the chaos. We want to live lives of order in a world, a modern world of chaos. And it all starts leading our families, leading our spouses, leading your boyfriend, girlfriend, getting married, doing well at your job. All of it together starts with bringing order to our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear God, we're so grateful that you were a God of peace. You were a God of peace and order. You were a God who longs for our spirits to rest in you our soul to find rest in you, that we wouldn't react and live stressed and anxious and crazy and that we'd find a way, God, to walk beside those still waters with you. That we would find a way to calm our souls, to trust in you, that when the life we live and the world around us gets crazy, we can find order in you, God. We love you. We're so grateful that you're not crazy, God. You're not out of control. You're not chaotic. You're not reactive. You wrote every day of our lives before we were ever born. You formed us and knew us before we ever came into this world. You planned our days for us, God. So let us be close enough to you to walk in that plan. Let us hear from you enough to walk in the purpose that you assigned to us. And at the end of our lives, be able to sit there and realize that we were intentional people. In a world of chaos, we were intentional. We were purposeful. We were orderly. And we did it all with a peace in our spirit. Now, some of you here today that as I'm praying that, you go, Christian, I've never had that peace. I've never had any peace. I feel like my life has literally gone from chaos to chaos to chaos to chaos to chaos. I just want to tell you today that no true peace comes to you until you enter into a relationship with Jesus. That until you order things in your life, there will always be a sense of dissatisfaction and chaos in your soul. But that when you are able to look and go, God, there is an order to this thing and it starts with you. Jesus, it begins with you dying for me, paying my bill, my sin tab that you picked up when you didn't have to. All of a sudden, peace like a river attendeth my way. For those of you here today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or do anything weird, or that's not us, but if, if, if you go Christian, I've never experienced that peace. I've never experienced that peace, but today I want to live a life of peace. I want to enter into that relationship you're talking about. If a relationship with Jesus is what's going to bring my spirit peace, that's what I want. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is between you and Jesus. If that's you and you say, Christian, 
That's me. I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. Would you raise your hand for me? Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Now we're going to pray this together and listen. I want, I want you to repeat after me. You can say it out loud. Say it under your breath. Say it in your heart. As long as you mean it. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. From a chaotic world, you died to bring me peace. To pay for my sins so that I didn't have to. Today, Lord Jesus, I make a choice to serve you, to love you. I believe in you, Jesus, that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose again to give me freedom. Today, I become a follower of Jesus Christ. Bring peace to my spirit and purpose to my life. Now, there's another group of you here that maybe as I'm saying this, you are living a life of chaos. That you feel it. That you feel you're running too fast, you're going too hard, you're doing too much, you're, you're 100 miles an hour and it's out of control. And you go, Christian, I need order and peace in my life. And I just want to pray for you. Just as your pastor, I just want to pray for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand and just say, that's me, please pray for me. I need peace. Dear God, you see every hand raised. Today, Lord Jesus, the great shepherd who leads us beside still waters, who calms our spirit, I pray that you bring peace to their spirits. I pray that a wave of peace floods them this week, that they find their mind clear, their thoughts clear, their purpose clear, their spirit clear, and that they begin to order their lives according to you, Jesus, and that peace would fill them, that this week would be the most peaceful week they've had of their entire life. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your mercy, and your peace. We love you. We're so grateful that we get to be here together today. Bless this day, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.